everybody. Welcome to the All Sooners Podcast, episode 190. We're getting there. Almost to 200. Uh, it's Wednesday, last day of May. And uh, today's a little weird. We had to push things back a little bit again. Uh, it's about 10 o'clock, 1030 at night, because today I was in Oklahoma City at the Women's College World Series. My man Ryan was there as well. My man Ross was there as well. My man Randall was up here in Tulsa, where I am getting some recruiting stuff done. So uh, we're all over the place. We're bringing you wall-to-wall coverage. Anyway, we're switching things up a little bit on today's show. Uh, Today, you're going to hear from all four of us. It's a magical type show here at All Sooners. Ryan Chapman joins us from the studio in Moore. I'm John Hoover, obviously. I'm in Tulsa. Later on the show in segment two, we're going to be joined by the new guy. That's Randall Sweet. He's really taken recruiting coverage by the horns. He was up here again in Tulsa today doing some recruiting coverage, uh, interviewing some kids. Uh, he's going to tell you all about Champion Barbecue, official visits, latest offers, all that stuff. He's been running around the state getting interviews, interviews with Oklahoma's best prospects. Pretty soon he's going to be in the state of Texas. And then in the final segment, we got Ross Lovelace, formerly intern Ross. He's going to join us to talk about some kickoff times announced today, about some basketball transfers, about some baseball NCAA tournament. He's going to give us his two cents on that stuff. But first, as we should, we'll start with the important stuff, the big guns. We start, Ryan Chapman, with softball. Today was media day at uh, Hall of Fame Stadium, and uh, they kept us busy. They kept us busy. We stayed busy. Look, guys, if you've been with us all year long, you've been with us the last three years, you know no one has the quality and the quantity of softball coverage that AllSooners.com <laughs> brings you. And just today, uh, I think between 12.40 p.m. is when the practice that was open to media started. From 12.40 p.m. to 6 p.m., uh, between the press conferences, stories, all that stuff. We had six different pieces of softball content. They haven't even played games yet in Oklahoma City. Who? So if you're looking for that softball fix, you know where to go. All Sooners. That's where we're at. That's right. Ryan's on top of it. You, you guys should have seen uh, the number of people in the press box. Okay, Ryan's been doing the covering this team wall to wall for two st- two solid years, and he's he's been he's known about it covering OU softball longer than that. Okay, so you should have seen the number of people who came up to Ryan today in the press box. Ryan, I have a softball question for you. They would ask him a question about Stanford, or they would ask him a question about last year's game against Washington or, or the last week's game against uh, Clemson, or, or they would ask him about the Oklahoma Sooners. Ryan, number one, oh, you did it. Uh, they lost to Baylor like 100 days ago now, and they haven't <laughs> lost since. 48 in a row. That's a new all-time NCAA record. Eat your heart out, Bud Wilkinson. 48 straight for Patty Gasso. I want to show you something real quick, see if I can find it. It's up here on my bookshelf. Uh, it's back behind. I can't reach it. Anyway, I got Bud Wilkinson's uh, the, the Bud Wilkinson story back there. It's called 47 straight. Patty Gasso needs a book, Ryan. I'm going to nominate you to write it, to, and we're going to call it 48 straight. Or however long this winning streak lasts. Holy cow. How long can they do it, Ryan? They need to win five more. Can they do it? And when will they lose? 2024 is their next opportunity to lose if they go 5-0 and in Oklahoma City. When are they going to lose next year? Let's uh, pump the brakes on 2024. <laughs> uh, 
Florida State. Beats my guts right now. For <laughs> Florida State, really, really good. Uh, Tennessee, really, really good. I won't be picking any of those teams to beat Oklahoma two yeah. times, but I, I would not be surprised to see. I, I know I, I keep saying this, and I feel like a crazy person because people reflect it back at me. They're like, well, but two things are happening right now in college softball. A, Oklahoma's dynasty. B, the sport is as deep and it's as good as you've ever seen it. Uh, and you're going to see that on Thursday, a Stanford team, if you remember where they were opening weekend to where they are now, Patty Gasso talked about, we'll get into that later, totally different teams. But for right now, yeah, that comeback against Clemson was incredible, but we've had a whole media day to digest. And uh, I think this thing's going to get to at least, hold on, let's do some math. Uh, it's going to get to at least 51, I think, before Oklahoma hits some turbulence. That would put them in the Women's College World Series Championship Series because w- when you just go down the line, Oklahoma had seven players named to the all-region team, five first-team, two second-teamers. All five of those first-teamers, yeah, those are first-team All-Americans, not just All-Americans, first-team All-Americans. Oklahoma's going to roll out five of those Nicole May, not able to be considered. She would have been on that list if she had got to the 100 innings mark. This team is too deep. We know that. We've talked about it. And you're going to see it this weekend. Uh, Tennessee is incredible. They've been riding Ashley Rogers, their pitcher, like crazy. She had 100-plus pitches both those games against Texas. Pettigast doesn't have to use two of the same pitchers in a whole series. And that's going to be the difference for Oklahoma um, and you're going to see the power hitting and all that take off. Their numbers are bananas, and and, and that's what's going to lead Oklahoma through this field in Oklahoma City. Uh, Zeta Pooney has been leading uh, Tennessee as well. Interesting. They got a couple of uh, Oklahoma transfers over the last few years. Um, so that's that'll be fun to watch. The, you got the Gasso link in uh, in Utah. That'll be fun to watch. But Ryan, I'm I'm with you, man. I'd I don't know who could possibly if you if you got an all star team of every of the other seven teams in Oklahoma City and pick the best of the best and said we're going to put you guys together and you're going to play Oklahoma. I still think Oklahoma would win, and here's why, Ryan. Okay, let's get the the nuts and bolts out of the way. Uh, Women's College World Series starts tomorrow. Game one is one thirty. Yes, one thirty p.m. Central for the Sooners um, and the Cardinal. So. We got to watch. Uh, here's the deal: in our jobs, we got we get to cover a lot of games. We don't get to cover a lot of practices. Practices are not always open, okay? And we certainly don't get to stand there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, like we did today in the rain. It was cool. Um, watching every element of practice, Ryan. I came away from that practice today, probably more impressed with Oklahoma. Than I than I had than I than I would have coming out of last week's games or watching them win the national championship. It is, and we watched you and I sat in the press box and watched some other teams practice. It's on another level when they practice every uh, pitch, every fungo, every warm up, every throw, everything that they do is timed out, rehearsed, perfected repeated it's unbelievable and the they were they were hitting the ball to the outfield right right fielder gets it coach pitches another one left fielder gets it here comes the ball coming in from the right fielder on a hop on a skip on a one hop to the to the catcher and the catcher's right in front of the plate lays down the phantom tag right 
that was going on all over the field. It was a it was a symphony of softball all happening at once. And the infielders were getting in on infielders were supposed to go to first base and then they're supposed to come home and then they're supposed to go to second base. And everybody, Ryan, here's the thing, was laser focused on exact nobody was goofing off. Nobody was cutting up. Nobody was back talking. Nobody was complaining. For that one hour, everybody was laser focused. And I looked at that and I said, Oklahoma's not losing. Well, and, and that's what happens when you assemble the luxury, the, the talent that Patty Gasso has, when you can go and say, hey, whether it's Sophia Nugent or Alina Torres or Jocelyn Erickson, anyone, if you mess up in practice in right field, good luck getting onto the field. Like, you better hope it's a run rule situation where Patty Gasso's feeling like pinch hitting, stuff like that, because otherwise you're not going to get on the field. And um, Alyssa Brito at third base – unanimous all-american laying out diving left right center making these plays grace lions gold glove shortstop we've seen it week in week out we get that it practice it's the exact same thing it's the exact same thing and i get the sense that patty gasso is intentionally like how can i hit this thing as hard and as hugging that line as possible if it's in foul territory it's practice you better make that play and here's the wild thing who I know that they work on base running more than probably anything else, like even more than defense as far as Patty Gasso, her card, her set plays, those situations. Hey, when everyone's like, why is Shayna Coleman off third base? It's a close call back to third base. Well, she's drawing the attention so that T.R.A. Jennings can swipe second behind her because Oklahoma knows those extra bases, that matters. That's why I always say, watch the base running if you're there, the amount of extra bases Oklahoma takes because everyone's so worried about the lead runner. They didn't even get to go through that because the rain nixed it. They sure as heck weren't going to go through any actual pitching or batting practice on the yeah. big field where everybody could see it. We didn't even get to see them really dive into the nitty-gritty. That was just the defense, and that's why the Sooners are poised to be the first team in the history of the sport to finish number one team batting average, number one team ERA, number one fielding percentage, because that's what Patty Gasso demands. Yeah, it's never happened before because it's almost impossible. And watching them – attack that defense today lets you know why i mean i've i've been like i've been skeptical there's been times you know oh they've got great players right grace Lyons, best shortstop i've ever seen it playing playing the game they've got great players um they make amazing plays jada coleman out there pulling balls back from the wall that's not it the they do have great players they also have some players who are struggling to get on the field who, when they do defensive practice, look like freaking all-stars because they're so laser-focused. They're so uh, guided missile into exactly what they're doing, what's being asked of them. They're chasing the ball down the corner, uh, turns around. Quincy Lilio, who who barely plays uh, in the outfield, she made that catch. Uh, was it an NCAA tournament? Um, I think it was. It was Big 12, was it? Anyway. Uh, she's out there, and I saw her skip a ball in today from deep in the corner, one hop in the glove, t- right in front of the plate. Like, why is she not playing more? Well, it's because everybody else is so damn good. It's unbelievable how good this team is. So enough about that. I, I was just – I wanted to just express how smitten I was with what I saw at practice today. It was impressive. This is a rematch, Ryan. OU Stanford is a rematch. Uh, what was the score of the first game? 12-1? Uh, 10 to 1. It was a Haley Lee sixth inning walk off for the walk off run rule. 10 to 1. Uh, 
Yeah, it's anything to glean from that. But Patty didn't seem to think so today at the press conference. Yeah, Patty didn't think so because Patty Gasso say that she said this last year, and this is how I know she means it. Last year, that UCLA game where Jordy Ball just lit the Bruins up. Um, that was like her immediate post game reaction was neither of these teams was ready for a game like of this caliber. This is not a World Series game. You're going to see two different teams at the World Series, and that was two of the final four teams left last year. Patty Gasso very similar today. It was game two for Stanford, game three for Oklahoma, and Patty Gasso basically was just like, no, but neither of these teams was ready. Neither of those teams is ready to play that caliber of game literally the first week, and they're just trying to figure each other out. So not a whole lot to do as far as taking away from that. And, and one step further, for Oklahoma, they didn't see uh, – or or candidate the, – the Kennedy, excuse me, the, the two top pitchers for Stanford – of Stanford's five pitchers, the three that they saw did not end up being the Cardinals' top two pitchers. So it's not like Oklahoma at least got to have eight batters see Kennedy and see what that's going to look like. So for Patty Gasso, it's basically just a whole new thing. But it's a weird quirk of this first day of the World Series, John. Every single game is a rematch of a regular season series, except for Oklahoma and Stanford, which is just a rematch of one game opening weekend. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, we could talk about pitching, Ryan. Um, let's start with Stanford's projected starter. How do you say her first name? Najari? Yeah. Najari Kennedy. Um, has she got a chance to be like, uh, I think you mentioned in a note, Odyssey Alexander of James Madison this year. She got a chance to be that kind of, that superstar that gives OU a little bit of problem. Yeah, she's got a chance, and frankly, John, that's what she's going to have to do. When you look at Stanford's lineup, the thing that's gotten Oklahoma in trouble uh, against Baylor, Govin hit a turned what should have been just a, a, a double into a three-run home run that put the Bears up 4-1. to one. And then Clemson, when they had OU on the ropes, what was it? Home run balls, home run balls over and over. The Cardinal don't have that. They've hit 24 home runs as a team all year long. Oklahoma's hit 112. 112 to 24. So they don't have that. So Candy's going to have to be elite. And she comes into the World Series with the best ERA in all of college softball, 0.48. So she's averaging, allowing essentially half an earned run per seven innings. If, if you're kind of new to that, that's what they're going to have to bring to the table. And that was the formula that James Madison had. It was a pitcher that Oklahoma hadn't seen. But here's the difference, and here's what will be interesting. Odyssey Alexander was a veteran. She may not have been known to the mainstream college softball world, but she was in her final year uh, a veteran pitcher. Katie's a true freshman coming from Topeka. She's never seen an atmosphere like this, but she also doesn't have four years of college softball to lean on to say, hey, I may not have pitched in this atmosphere, but I can lock in. It's just softball. So her, how she handles both the Oklahoma lineup, but the raucous environment that we know it's going to be a lot of crimson and cream uh, and not Stanford uh, maroon that that's going to be kind of the, the key to the early going of this, because if Stanford can't put runs on the board early and Oklahoma can dial in, that's when the crowd really gets into it. You see the momentum start rolling. That's when things usually get ugly for OU's opponents. Cardinal, isn't it? Yeah. Stanford Cardinal colored Cardinal. I believe that's right. Uh, so that's what I was going with, or hoping at least. It's one of the, between all the crimson and maroons we have in college yeah. sports. I get lost in the sauce. Yeah, for sure. Alabama's here too. So, so uh, what do we know? Uh, it helps being colorblind, Ryan. I can just say I'm colorblind. I don't even know what you're talking about. 
I don't have to argue yeah. with anybody. And, and yet my wife is like, what do you think of these two colors? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> so what does OU do? What does Jen Rocha do? Jen Rocha, the OU pitching coach, got a lot of flowers today from Patty Gasso and from Alex Duraco at the press conference. Um, we've seen that before. Uh, I want to say it was Hope Troutwine at this setting last year or two years ago. No, it was last year uh, where she said uh, she – she didn't know what she didn't know about pitching until she found it until she started pitching for Jen Rocha. So um, what is her plan? Do you think what, first of all, if you were her, what would you do? I, I know what I would do. I would go with the hot hand and the best pitcher on the mat in the circle for OU. Uh, the back half of the season has been Jordy ball uh, Four earned runs allowed in her last 16 appearances, Jordy ball. So I would go with Jordy. There's a little bit of flexibility there, though, with the team that doesn't use the long ball, is not offensively explosive like Stanford is. Maybe you can run some other pitchers out there. Um, Storocco gave up two home runs last week. Uh, Nicole May has given up some stuff lately. and But I, I'd hate to not go with Jordy Ball and then say, dang, I wish I would have went with Jordy Ball. You know what I mean? But I think right. there's some flexibility, and there's certainly some talent at the, t- at the throughout this lineup, throughout this uh, this pitching um, lineup that Oklahoma brings. Yeah, the first thing I'd be stunned if she rolls out Kirsten Deal. Deal only yeah. has had a handful of starts. That that seems totally out of character. So yeah, you're looking at the three headed monster. I would not consider Starocco, and it has nothing to do with her last two outings. She had a couple of runs against Cal, had the disastrous, not even an inning against Clemson. But she's the one that pitched five and two-thirds innings against Stanford earlier this year. Deal came in for the last strike. So I wouldn't pitch Taraco just because why would you give Stanford someone that they've seen before? Even if it was long, long, long ago, yeah. it just doesn't make a ton of sense. So you'd be picking between May and Ball if you follow my path. And people, based off the Twitter replies that I get, do not believe this. So just trust me when I say Outside of a matchup against UCLA, which has happened twice, Nicole May has been elite at the Women's College World Series. Yeah. She was the one that held Texas in, in check last year. She has been dynamite. I would throw Nicole May against Stanford. She is more than capable of mowing through that Stanford lineup and have Jordy Ball as fresh as possible for a potential Tennessee or Alabama matchup. Well, the Tennessee or Alabama matchup will happen either way. Oklahoma hopes it happens on Saturday in the winner's bracket. I would go May, then Ball. If May gets into trouble, you always have the option to come straight back to Jordy Ball. And if you win, you get the day off. So if Jordy Ball has to pitch two or three innings in relief, or if Jordy Ball has to close out the seventh inning, if it gets that far or whatever, then you're not going to be as concerned about her stacking those days because she'll have a day off if Oklahoma's offense handles business. So I'd go with May. Let Jordy Ball take care of whatever happens Saturday, and then I throw Jordy Ball again on Monday. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think I completely agree with that. I was thinking that same thing driving home from Oklahoma City today. Uh, Nicole May has the the College World Series experience. She's got more experience in this setting in the stadium than anybody else. Um, Ball pitched some last year in uh, you know minor situations coming off that arm injury. She wasn't asked to do very much as a pitcher. Not that she can't. I think she is their best pitcher, but I think it's a I think it's a natural fit um, to have again someone who has given up home runs to a team that doesn't hit a lot of home runs. Perfect fit. 
Nicole May. Uh, I would start him. What do you think Jen, Jen Rocha does? You think it's going to, she going to ride ball all the way? Yeah, I, I think it'll be May. I do because okay. it, it's an interesting, we were talking with Clay Horning. That was one of the people that we, we were talking with. And, and he mentioned, you know, there's the Paige Parker. Everyone's heard the story. Patty doesn't want to run someone to the ground. Well, if you win, you play every other day till the champ series. So you could roll the same pitcher out, not run him into the ground. I don't think Patty wants to do that still. And so I think you go with May. Then if you win, which Oklahoma still should, Oklahoma should still roll with Nicole May. You have Jordy Ball for that winner's bracket game on Saturday. You win that, then you've got two games on Monday to play with, which we saw last year where UCLA won game one, Oklahoma came straight back. And then you can do whatever you want, whether you go straight back to Jordy Ball, Starocko May, whatever that looks like. Uh, Nicole May has been here. She's done that. And again, outside of the bad match against UCLA, she's been outstanding at the Women's College World Series. Um, I like, uh, just to further this point, Starocko is a rise ball pitcher. Nicole May is a drop ball pitcher. What does that say? Uh, what you're doing with the lineups? Does does uh, does one lineup say Stanford or somebody in the second round, Alabama or whoever? Uh, do they thrive on and and OU the you know the OU coaching staff has all this data. Uh, do they do they go with the rise ball pitcher against the drop ball staff or lineup? I mean, do they go with the drop ball pitcher against the rise ball lineup? Who knows. Uh, like I said, they've got all that information. And then you got Jordy Ball, who basically can throw any one of those pitches. So, um, no, that's a, that's a fun it's a fun breakdown. It'll be anything else stand out to you about this, Ryan, about this matchup or about the, the rest of the field or the the way the tournament is uh, is kind of structured now? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because there's, there's a lot of options on the table for everyone sitting at home trying to remember and go, wait. At some point, brackets flip. What sifting through all that? Here's the easy way to remember it: the the four team pod, Oklahoma, Stanford, Alabama, Tennessee. You're going to stay in that bracket. The only team that flips is the team that wins game one and then loses game two. So does that make sense? That the only way Oklahoma sees the other half of the bracket is if they beat Stanford and then lose to either. Alabama or Tennessee on the flip side, the only way that one of those teams comes over. So basically Oklahoma state and Florida state, one of those teams is going to lose right off the jump. Oklahoma will not be able to see that team until the champ series or if, if they get flipped over. So the, the scenario in which Oklahoma state or Florida state wins and then loses to either Washington or Utah, I would say is slim. So I wouldn't worry about an Oklahoma state, semifinal, a Bedlam semifinal, a Florida State semifinal, you're probably just going to see them in the champ series. And so what what you're looking at, the really fun thing is either way, in game two, Oklahoma gets Alabama and Montana Fouts and her injured trying to will her way back to the champ series or to a champ series or a Tennessee team that has Zeta Pooney, has Kiki Malloy, who Kiki Malloy might be the most exciting hitter in the country this year. She has 25 home runs. Unreal. But also Mackenzie Donahue. Remember her? Mackenzie Donahue took the World Series by storm in 2021. Um, some off the field stuff in 2022 leads to a, a transfer. We could say, yeah, yeah. And so it, that I think that uh, everyone would be very interested in what an Oklahoma Tennessee matchup would be. However, it could get there uh, if you have Zeta Pooney and Donahue plus the Malloy factor plus the Ashley Rogers factor. 
That's what I'm rooting for. Whether whether that means that they both got to lose day one or win day one, doesn't matter. We can get there either way. Yeah, same. I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for a Tennessee semifinal matchup. That would be fun. Uh, Ryan, appreciate it. We'll cut you loose and bring in my man Randall because we got next segment. A ton of recruiting news. So, Ryan, thanks. Of course, of course. And like we said, we'll have all the content. Hooves galleries are unreal. If you just want to go back through and and, and relive some of the stuff that's going on, uh, that's the spot to be. Allsteers.com. I know we write some stuff, too. It's pretty easy. I just hold the button down and just kind of move it around the, the, <laughs> the field. And then I pick the best 40 or 50 photos that came out of it. It's Call it a day. Yeah, being a photographer is super easy. Hey, we got, like I said, a ton of recruiting news coming up. My man Randall's been all over it uh, for a couple of hey, weeks now. Hey, are you a business owner uh, that's all looking coming to get your product the out there to the podcast. masses? Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond. Or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise, and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at all underscore Sooners. Little social media for you on Twitter. You can give us a follow at all underscore Sooners. I'm at John E. Hoover. Ryan's at underscore Ryan Chapman. You can follow Ross at Ross Lovelace. And Randall is at Randall Sweet 5, the number 5. Follow him for all the latest recruiting news, which we're going to get into in just a second. The website, of course, is allsooners.com. We're a Fan Nation affiliate, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Remember, All Sooners is all free. No memberships, no signups, no usernames, no emails, no passwords, no credit cards needed. Just get on there and look at our stuff. It's all free. All right, Randall, welcome to the All Sooners pod, your debut, my man, uh, speaking of recruiting. How's things going for you, your first uh, full week as, uh, as a member of the All Sooners crew? Yeah, it's been great. Everyone's been uh, super welcoming and helped me uh, get on board quickly and get acclimated. I've had a great time so far. You've done great work so far, for sure, and there's going to be a lot more of that coming. Randall Sweet is our newest hire. He's our recruiting analyst. He's got like five different titles, I think. Um, superstar in the waiting. Just trust me on that, people. Uh, Randall, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here. Uh, tell us about yourself. I think you grew up in Texas. You played high school football in Lubbock. You graduated last year, 2022, from OU. Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so like you said, uh, I went to high school out in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, I moved around a lot, spent some time in Houston and Dallas, but finished and went to high school in Lubbock. Uh, I went to OU for four years and graduated, like you said, last year in 2022. Uh, And I've uh, been covering the Thunder and doing some other stuff ever since then. And I'm excited now uh, to be on this side of things. Your grandparents were OU fans? Are OU fans, I should say? Yeah, yeah. My grandparents are big OU fans. Um, and my, my mom's an OU fan as well. Okay. Okay. I thought there was some Texas blood in there somewhere that uh, you get to you get to have bragging rights uh, either your way or thrown in your face every year. Yeah, yeah. my cousin's uh, my cousin's a big UT fan. They're down in the uh, Port Arthur area. Surprisingly, a lot of UT fans down there. Yeah, well, why not? Hey, uh, okay, let's talk recruiting. 
one of the reasons I hired you, Randall, is because you have a passion for recruiting. You've got a talent for it and a, and a, a love for it. Recruiting is not easy to cover. I tried and tried and tried and tried and tried over the years. I'm not very good at it. I don't have a passion for it. Why, why does it uh, kind of motivate you like it does? Yeah, I, I remember, you know, being in high school football and, you know, I remember every week, um, you know, at the beginning of the week, learning about the, the scouting report of the opposing team, kind of like checking out who their best players were to kind of figure out how to attack that. And I, something about that always fascinated me. And uh, to this day, you know, breaking down, getting kind of into the, the weeds of high school football and seeing who all the top guys are, seeing kind of the next generation of uh, college stars. That's really interesting to me and uh, catching them before they get uh, you know, on the big stage. Yeah, that's that's a cool part of it is getting them getting to know them before they become superstars and NIL darlings and all mm-hmm. that other stuff that's happening nowadays. Absolutely. Um, OK, Randall. Um, Coming off of Zadavian Sims's disappointment last week, you were there for that when he announced that he was going to Oregon and not Oklahoma. Uh, is OU ever going to sign anybody again, or do, is Brent Venables going to lose his job in the summer because they literally can't sign anybody? I'm kidding, of course I'm kidding, but give OU fans a little reason, maybe some reason somewhere, that they can feel a little better going into June. Yeah, so, uh, you know, about Zadavian Sims, I, I did talk to him, and he he said that it wasn't anything wrong with OU. Uh, I do think it's important to point out that he's not from Oklahoma originally. He lives here now, um, but he didn't grow up here. So the tradition of OU that's not um, something that might be as instilled in him as it is some someone who grew up, uh, you know, learning about the Sooners and saw them through all the prime years. Um, but Moving forward, I think that OU is in a great place. You know, we've seen a lot of uh, defensive recruits recently announce that they'll be uh, taking visits to Norman. Big name defensive recruits like David Stone, Williams Maneri, and today Kobe Black. Uh, all three of those are five-star defenders who have announced official visits to Oklahoma. Uh, Stone, I believe, will be there over the Champion Barbecue, which is June 16th to 18th. Uh, Williams Maneri and uh, Kobe Black will both be in town on June 9th. Uh, so those are big time targets for Oklahoma. Those would be uh, big time guys to land. And um, I went to Westmore last week to check out their spring game. I talked to Michael Patterson McDonald. Um, I would say that OU is in a really good place with him right now. He said uh, that he wants to commit sometime uh, next fall in the first five games and that he would also be visiting Norman, visiting OU in the fall. Uh, I know that Brent Venables really likes to get that last visit in there to really stick in a kid's mind. Uh, he also told me that he grew up in Norman, that the OU offer really meant a lot to him. Uh, his dad told me that he played for OU. He walked on there. Uh, and so I, he was also wearing uh, a pair of OU gloves at the spring game. So all those things uh, combined, I think that uh, that really looks optimistic for OU. I think if they can uh, nail that visit, uh, in the fall, then they'll be in a really good place with uh, the Westmore safety there. Outstanding. Uh, what about Tristan Haynes? He's a C4 guy. Uh, are they off C4 guys, or are they going to continue to recruit? I, I know uh, Kevin Sperry's not in that discussion. I, I know he's a quarterback, uh, 2025. But uh, what about Tristan Haynes and guys like that that, uh, that he works out with and plays seven-on-seven seven with? Yeah, so when I talked to Tristan at the C4 Pro Day, he told me that he actually hadn't heard from OU since um, he went down there for the spring game. 
So even before the whole Zadavian Sims, uh, yeah. whatever that situation was, um, he the the coaches seem to have kind of been backing off of him. It's kind of interesting. Uh, he's been blowing up recently. Bama came through and gave him an offer. Uh, Texas A&M recently gave him an offer. So he uh, he could very well end up uh, in the Sooners' future conference. Um, but it does seem like OU is a little off of him now. His teammates, however, are what's really interesting to me. Xavier Robinson, Trinae Washington, and recently Marcus James. All three of them are also OU offers. And uh, from what I understand, the Sooners are really pulling hard for those guys. Uh, you and I have talked, Trinae Washington, he's got the uh, the body of a big-time playmaker at the next level. And uh, Xavier Robinson, uh, it looks like he uh, he could be hopeful to o- Oklahoma or Iowa State right now uh, from everything that I've seen and heard. You were in Tulsa today. We switched places. I was in Oklahoma City. You were in Tulsa. Now we're flipped back. Uh, tell us about your trip up here. Um, you went to Bixby? Yeah, uh, you know, loaded with talent, uh, as usual, the Spartans, uh, Union, Midwest City, uh, East St. Louis, were all out there today. Um, I got, I caught up with Devin Jordan, uh, corner for Union, uh, OU offer, uh, and it, he had some really interesting, interesting things to say. Um, both him and Michael Patterson, when I ask about kind of their playing styles and some of their strong points of their games, both of them mentioned their leadership abilities, which I think is really interesting. Two defensive back recruits that Venables uh, is looking at that really have uh, coveted their leadership abilities kind of shows me that that's something that the coaching staff really looks for in these defensive recruits. Um, and other than that, I asked him about you know what it meant to get an OU offer. He told me that uh, it, being a school right in his backyard, it meant a lot to him. He also uh, let me in on uh, Venables and Coach Jay Valai doing some really exclusive things, trying to make him feel special feel like he really was an important recruit to them. Uh, and so uh, it, for OU, uh, it seems like they're in a good place with him as well. He was also wearing a pair of OU gloves at the team camp today, which always seems to be a good sign, but you never really know. Uh, I heard that he was wearing TCU gloves the other day. Who knows about that? Um, <laughs> he told me that he would be uh, at Oklahoma State the weekend before uh, the Champion Barbecue, which he will be at in Norman. So uh, the two in-state schools will be getting visits uh, in the next month from him. Um, But one thing that was really interesting, when I asked him about Alabama offering him, he said that uh, he doesn't chase the logo on the helmet. Uh, And so I thought that was really interesting, Um, you know, kind of saying that uh, he's not going to be enamored with this school just because it's a big name, big time program. You know, he said that he's got great relationships kind of all over the place. And um, so I thought that was really interesting. He also said that he loves that Brent Venables is a defensive-minded head coach, so I think that that's uh, something else that Sooner fans can uh, be happy about. Yeah, I think in his first two two recruiting classes, it's pretty clear that Brent is recruiting a different style, a different level of talent on the defensive side of the football. Uh, people want to play for him. People who play defense want to play for him, so Absolutely. Uh, there's no doubt. What about, uh, what about Easton Baker, linebacker out of Utah? Yeah, so it seems like everything's kind of come together really quickly with Baker. Uh, So he decommitted from BYU back at the beginning of May, Um, you know, local kid from Utah. And since then, he's picked up some offers, uh, OU being one they offered him uh, last week. And since he picked up that OU offer, he scheduled a visit out to the Champ U barbecue. And he's also said that he will be committing on July 1st. 
Um, so you will have a visit a few weeks before that. I don't think they're the last visit on his list, but uh, I, from what I've seen, they're the highest profile program that uh, he's received an offer from and will visit. Uh, he kind of reminds me of one of those hybrid linebacker defensive backs, maybe a little undersized as a linebacker, fast, hard hitting, can fly around the field and really knock guys' heads around. Um, you know, just a football player. Um, yeah. And I, I think that him setting up that visit and committing, uh, setting up a commitment date and a visit so quickly after being offered by OU, uh, in addition to them being the caliber of school that they are compared to his other offers, really bodes well for the Sooners. Yeah, that's got to be a, a good signs all the, all around. Uh, someone who's not coming to Champion Barbecue, as you said at the top, was uh, Williams Winery. Um, June 9th is going to be his visit. What do you think about that? He's basically one of the really jewels of this class, one of the crown jewels of, of what would be this recruiting class. You don't bring him in on your when you're trying literally to put your best foot forward for all the recruits and you're trying to get all this peer recruiting going on. You're trying to get other guys in and say, Williams, Winery, Will, come to OU. He's not going to get that because he's not going to be part of that full-blown, top-down you know, all gas, no breaks, for lack of a better word, recruiting efforts that they do on Champion Barbecue. He's coming in the week before, but he's going to get a little more face time maybe with the coaches, a little more individual session, a little more tender, loving care, for lack of a better word. He's going to get more individual attention than he would at a big event like that. Yeah, it is interesting because I do think initially he was scheduled to come to the Champion Barbecue, yeah. and that's now swapped with a visit to Tennessee. Uh, after he visited Texas A&M, he said that A&M was up there on the same level as OU and Tennessee. So that that is interesting uh, and at least noteworthy to me. Um, but if I was an OU fan, I wouldn't worry too much about it. You know, they are still getting a visit from him. There's still a lot of time. And, you know, if you impress on the visit, I think that um, the Brent Venables track record is a lot better than Josh Heupel's. Uh, no offense to the former Sooner. Um, but uh, also... Uh, Maneri's coach played at OU. His high school coach played at OU under Bob Stoops. Um, and so that, that might go a long way for the Sooners as well. Uh, and and it's right now he's, uh, by all the recruiting services out there, projected to be an OU lean. Um, and that hasn't changed even with this, um, this uh, visit date swap. So I wouldn't be too worried yet. I would wait till all the chips fall after the visits and see what he has to say then. Yeah, Jamar Mosey, former running back for the Sooners. Um, didn't play defense, didn't play for Venables, but there's no doubt he knew Venables and got to know him as a coach and all that stuff, and they've known him through recruiting and, and so on and so forth. So that, uh, that connection is there. Um, Kobe Black is interesting. Do you have any, any more uh, intel on Kobe Black, the uh, five-star defensive backs uh, coming in to Norman on uh, June 9th? Yeah, he, uh, he will also be taking visits to Texas and Ohio State, I know. Um, so that's, you know, obviously tough competition. Ohio State, one of the best programs in the country. And you know how Texas recruits, especially with in-state kids. Um, but the fact that OU is getting a visit, that shows that they're right in the mix. Um, you know, Jay Valai, again, showing that he's a great recruiter. Him and Brandon Hall helped get a five-star defensive back into Norman last year. And, you know, the fact that they're even in the race for that in two straight years is something that we haven't really seen in Norman for a while. 
Uh, and it really just shows, like you said earlier, how the defensive recruiting has taken off recently. Um, it seems like right now uh, Texas is his favorite. Um, you know, that's what the recruiting sites are projecting. And, you know, if you go through, you know, his uh, social media, it's a lot of posts about Texas. And it, it seems like um, seems like that's what he's favoriting right now. But, mm-hmm. you know, this official visit is a good chance for OU to say, hey, here's a here's why you should reconsider that. And he has been to Norman twice already. So if he's coming up a third time, there's obviously something he likes. And he's not from, he's not a Dallas kid. He's from Waco Connolly. Uh, it's a little farther. It's not right up I-35 like Dallas. It's not as easy for him to get to. Um, so all that means something, I think. Yeah, and taking your visit on the same weekend as Will Winery, probably a good thing. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Uh, you wrote a story today about three transfer portal guys that uh, could be on their way to Norman. Tell us about that. Interesting information in here. Yeah, uh, it was it was very interesting. So the uh, John Terry was in town yesterday. He's a, a transfer defensive lineman from Tennessee. Uh, before Tennessee, he played at uh, Kansas. He'll be entering his fifth year in college uh, in 2023. His stats aren't eye-popping, but he is huge. 6'4", 320 pounds, just a monster in the middle of the defense. So you have to think that, you know, uh, defensive line, the Sooners lost some guys there. It'd be uh, nice to get a guy who can eat space and, you know, take up uh, some blocks in the in the middle there. Um, he, uh, he started out at Kansas, but he's gotten some major offers since entering the portal. Um, I know that some other Power 5 schools other than OU have uh, been looking at him, some other SEC schools. Um, Today, they brought in Josh Wallace, a defensive back from uh, Massachusetts. He's a four-year starter. He was a captain for two years, which kind of goes back to that leadership thing that, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the defensive staff really is high on, especially in their defensive backs. Um, He's made a lot of plays on the ball. I think he has like almost 20 pass breakups in the past two seasons, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um, and so uh, another position that the Sooners lost guys at in the offseason, it'd be nice to get uh, some depth in those two rooms. And then uh, apparently today they also hosted uh, Philip uh, Paya. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. I think that's right, Paya, yep. He, uh, he's originally uh, played at Michigan and then transferred from Michigan to uh, Utah State. He's another interior defensive lineman. Big man, space eater uh, type guy. Um, similar role as uh, Terry, and could you know be a nice nice depth piece for the Sooners in a spot that they really need it uh, after they lost some guys to the portal, to the draft, uh, just in general. Three defensive guys want to come play for Brent Venables. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> these are grad transfers. Yes, all all fifth year guys. Well, uh, actually, um, two fifth years, and then Terry and. Um, Wallace are both fifth years, and uh, Paya is going to be a sixth year. So yeah, so they're so they're grad transfers, meaning they're they're you can enter the portal at any time, and you're immediately eligible. Right, right, and they're they're veteran guys, which um, you know, say what you will, it, it it does help in this era of college football to have veteran players. Yeah, yeah, especially given the news that uh, you know, with with some of the health concerns that Oklahoma's. Um, might be undergoing right now with one of their transfer defensive linemen. Can't say too much more about it till we hear something more official from one of the coaches, uh, probably Brent Venables in that situation. Uh, but we'll see. Hopefully that's not a long-term deal. Hopefully uh, that player is able to uh, to come back and play at some point in 2023. 
I'll have to leave that there. Can't say anything more about it right now. But uh, Randall, I want to give you a chance to talk about uh, your, um, as we get ready for segment three, your new kind of feature. It's You're going to be a week. You're going to do a couple of things a week. Uh, you're rounding up the offers. You're rounding up the visits. You're rounding up all the recruiting news in, in one place. Yeah. Yeah. So every week I'll be um, kind of talking about the, the past week, uh, who OU's offered, who's going to be coming in to visit the next month, things like that, just to kind of keep tabs on uh, all the guys that the, the Sooners have their eyes on and that they're keeping tabs on. Um, and just really trying to streamline all that recruiting coverage to the OU fans. Uh, tomorrow I'll be in Westmore to check out their team camp. I know that um, I'll hopefully get to talk to Michael Patterson McDonald again, uh, see him play, and then uh, get some live action of him versus some good competition. And Deer Creek, uh, some other good schools will be out there. Yeah, look forward to that as well. And you can always find that, uh, the roundups and the news, the commits, the visits, the offers, all that stuff at allsooners.com. As I said before, it's free. Just check it out. Randall's all over it. And he is uh, he is a traveling man. He'll be in Texas soon enough uh, doing some seven-on-seven work uh, down there working with those guys too. Uh, Randall, you did great. Appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, especially jumping on this late at night. It's uh, 1130 here where I am. Yep. It's it's we're, uh we're burning it's, the midnight oil. There we are. That's that's the life of a sports writer, isn't it? Yep, it is. <laughs> uh, we'll cut you loose. Uh, appreciate it as always. We we'll bring in Ross next. Ross Lovelace is going to finish up. We're going to talk about some OU baseball, some basketball news, and of course some big news in football today. We'll tell you all about it next on the All Sooners podcast. Hey, are you a business owner looking to get your product out there to the masses? Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond. Or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at all underscore Sooners. Final segment of the All Sooners podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it if you guys could just drop us a rating, five star self if you like the podcast. Go ahead, five stars. It's up to you. It's You have the power. It's in your hands. Uh, like us, share us on social media. That's always helpful. And if you're watching on YouTube, please like, rate, subscribe, leave us a comment. We love that stuff. Okay, segment three. My man Ross, I told you he was on his way in. Ross Lovelace joins us for the final segment. Ross has had a busy week um, since graduating college last week, right? Congratulations, first of all. Yes, of course. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes, busy week, of I, course. This, this is going to tell you how shallow I am. I always tell my wife and kids, sorry, but the happiest day of my life was the day that I didn't have to go to school no more. College graduation. Yes. The birth of my exactly. children was so stressful. Both children were C-section, so that was so stressful. And then the the whole getting married thing, man, was a perfect day, but God, it was stressful. I couldn't remember my vows. I'm, I'm dealing with that too yeah, right that's now. What you're, that's what you're I'm, I'm you're planning that, a wedding, yeah. bro. Yeah, the, the stress of the wedding was uh it, it's way higher than the stress of any college I I any college assignment paper, you name it. The stress of the wedding outnumbers that yeah, by a million right now. College, <laughs> my life. Nothing but smiles, nothing but joy. 
those other days was like, oh God, what's going to happen? Exactly. I'm glad that I can just focus on, you know, work without thinking about homework that's due the next day. That is the nicest feeling Don't ever. Don't more tests to cram for. You still dream about taking tests? Exactly. Oh, I, I, I don't think I crammed for, for many tests. You know, the journalism school is all all papers, which great for me. I'm, I'm not, a, not a great yeah. test taker. I still, bro, <laughs> I still wake up. I've been out of school 30 years. I still wake up thinking, oh, God, I forgot to go to that class. Yeah, I forgot to turn it in. Forgot, you know, that's that's the worst feeling of all time. I'm glad that glad that that's over. Yeah, for the most he'll dream part. about it from time to time. I, I spent an entire oh, yeah, semester sure. forgetting that I went to a class. Oh no, now it's today's the final, and I never went to class. It's the worst dream ever. That's how I, I had a class this semester that was completely online, no due dates. It was all just due at the end of the semester. And I totally forgot about it until about two weeks until graduation. That's my nightmare. And that is. That was my that was my life for two weeks. So well, yeah. Ross uh, Ross was busy last week. He covered the Big Twelve baseball tournament for us uh, remotely. Thank goodness. OU goes one and two in Arlington down there at Globe Life Field. Beat the Cowboys in the first one, and then lost to Texas Tech. Lost to Oklahoma State in the rematch. Uh, Ross, OU somehow got into the NCAA tournament. Good RPI, good strength of schedule. They're on their way back to Virginia for the fifth time since 2010. They got to go play an NCAA tournament game in Virginia. Uh, they're going to play East Carolina, 6 p.m. Friday, ESPN 2, I believe. Uh, Virginia mm-hmm. and Army are the other teams at the Charlottesville Regional. They play earlier in the day on Friday at 11 a.m. But uh, tell us about last week in Arlington. And it was just more of the same. It was more of. Two steps forward, yeah. two steps back. Yeah, you know, when when they knocked off OSU, I thought we made a big mistake not not going down to Arlington in case in case the Sooners made some noise, but after that it was pretty clear that was that was the right decision. Uh, you know, being at the games uh, in Norman that that series in against OSU, it really just kind of felt like the win, you know, on night two was was lucky, and that's kind of again how I felt in Arlington that that win over Oklahoma State. You know, obviously, obviously, um, they did some good things, some uh, some great hits, some great plays in the field, but it just felt a little bit lucky. And then Texas Tech was an absolute disaster. That was one of the biggest. You know, they just crumbled. They just crumbled, and the, and that was kind of the game. Honestly, I personally didn't think they were going to get in, especially after some of those wins. You know, Tulane knocks off yeah. East Carolina. Um, just a few of those upset wins where I'm like, okay, they're, they're definitely not getting in now. All these seed stealers, these bid stealers. Um, and that was kind of the game that you point to where it's like they had a clear shot to win against Texas Tech, drop a gift of a fly ball, second base. I mean, just... He could have caught it without without his glove on, bare hands, just let it fall right into his lap. Somehow doesn't hang on. They get out of that inning, giving up five runs when that would have been the third out, and that's likely the game. And so, just too many too many of those errors um, in the field, and then too many. You know, Kendall Pettis made some great plays in the field, but then he gets on the bats and he grounds into you know two or three double plays, and it's just an absolute killer for all the momentum, um, all of that kind of stuff. And you know, my initial reaction was. They're going to get killed by East Carolina. That that is what I thought first. You know, just seeing East Carolina this season, just how they've played. But East Carolina is is beatable. We have to remember they did lose to Tulane, who was you know they were hot, but they were eighteen and forty on the year. Not not a not a great baseball team. So you know, at the same time, 
baseball is a weird sport. Anyone can win. And, uh, you know, I, I really like how Braden Carmichael's been throwing the ball. Yeah, he gives him a fighting chance out there. Um, and, you know, when the bats get hot, they get hot. That's just how, that's just how OU is. They have some really talented hitters. And, and the story of the season has been struggles in the bullpen and pitching struggles all season long. So it's really just, you know, if they can contain, contain the pirates um, and give themselves a chance to get out of the region. We knew what, we know what happened last year um, and no one expected them to win last year too. They were, you know, not, not quite as heavy as an underdog as this, but they were one of the last teams in last year. So, um, you know, I think everyone is really interested to see how they, how they play um, in Charlottesville, except for Kansas state fans. I don't think they will be watching much uh, OU baseball. Um, for the remainder of the season, they were not happy. Uh, if you check any social media, I, I don't know if you saw uh, the the Pete Hughes statement that yeah. he put out, but he, he was he was not thrilled that the, that the Sooners stole that spot. Well, that's a good way of putting it. They stole the they stole the bid, um... and they did. And it's honestly a little bit confusing. K, I mean, K State had a better yeah. conference record. They swept OU, but at the same time, they took into account you know OU didn't have two of their two of their best players when, when, when they were playing K state um, and that when they lost a few of those series and, and the RPI, the, the NCA made it very clear, um, you know, the teams that play the best schedules are going to get rewarded. I know you had a very tough schedule and they can't, they came away with a pretty decent record, um, especially, you know, going, going chunks of the season, missing a few key players. So it, it, it is, it makes sense. It does make sense. We're, uh, we're on the verge. We're on the slippery slope of descending into a debate about what good the RPI does. If you don't beat those teams, it's the same thing that got, uh, got Oklahoma left out of the NCAA basketball tournament. They had a lot of good games. They had a tough schedule, man. They played a lot of good teams and they yeah. lost a bunch of them and they didn't go to the NCAA tournament yeah. for that very reason. Oklahoma 31 and 26 on the season. Yeah, that's a tough one. When you compare apples to apples, Got swept at Kansas by Kansas State, uh, you know, had a lesser re- conference record, a lesser overall record, but their strength of schedule was so much better, and their RPI was so much better. So, we're not going to debate that here. Uh, that, but yeah, Pete Hughes, hey, OU fans are not feeling sorry for Pete Hughes not making the NCAA tournament. Nope. right. That is that that is for sure, and you could. You could see that for yourselves in the comment section. It it uh it was not a friendly place to be in yeah. in, in either either yeah. spot, K State or or oh, Oklahoma. Right. <laughs> Let's talk basketball. You've got some insight for us on basketball. Um, Sooners added have officially added now. Uh, Jalen Moore, Georgia Tech forward. I looked at his numbers, Ross. Uh, something like uh, what was it eight 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 points and, and six rebounds a game for yeah. a team that went thirteen yeah, about, and eighteen about last eight. year out of Georgia uh, Tech. I mean. Mm-hmm. Started about fifteen yeah. games. Is it going to be a big addition he'll to this be, team? You know, he'll be a he'll be a decent addition. I think he'll be he'll be solid depth. Um, one thing I've noticed just as a trend that uh, OU's brought in through the portal is length on the perimeter, um, down low. You know, I was just going through the numbers today, um, and I think that this is one of the on, on paper at least one of the most talented OU basketball rosters. Um, they've had in a long time, you know, just recruiting wise, uh, out of high school on the, they have 13, 13 players. So probably looking to fill, you know, one or two more spots. They have six former four stars that were all top 150 prospects, five of those six top 100 prospects. 
um, and, and a good number of, you know, you know, Caden Cooper, um, number 40 or number 59 chose OU over Kansas, Alabama, Gonzaga, some, some really great, great, uh, names. And then, and then obviously you get Uzan back. Um, he was the number 66 player in the country. Um, I think that the biggest key addition for them was John Hugley from, from Pittsburgh. They really did not have much, um, inside depth last year, got bullied around on the glass, um, the biggest example of that was against Oklahoma State. I mean, those games were yeah. horrible to watch. Oklahoma State bullied that team on the glass. And, you know, Hugley adds a he's – he's 6'9", 240. He's not, he's not going to get moved out of the paint by a lot of people. And so you add him. Um, you add the, the Utah Valley transfer, um, great shooter. You know, he's a career 38% three-point shooter, taking six threes a game, 90% free throw shooter. He can clearly shoot the rock. Um, and then another player I'm really looking forward to watching next year, Luke Northweather. We didn't get to see him this last year. He was a red shirt. Um, and he was the Missouri Gatorade player of the year, averaged 29 and 11 in high school. Um, so even if that's not, you know, like a six, a level, I think it was three, a four, a, um, that's still really impressive to be, you know, Gatorade player of the year, average almost 30 a game, uh, and just lead your team in, in two major categories. So, I really like what Porter's done through the portal. Um, and, you know, last year, who knows what would have happened if, if he hadn't gotten spurned by, uh, you know, Gibson and Harkless on, on the day before yeah. the portal closed. This, that, that team last year looks a lot different with those two players on it. Um, and so I think he did a great job of replenishing the roster. He clearly was targeting defense and length through the portal, shored up a few big needs with shooting and a big man down low. Um, and then there's a, there's room to add one more. And, and I think that, you know, we saw, we saw this week that Cam Spencer, he's, he's, uh, listed the Sooners in his top four and he's a career, you know, he averaged 14 a game for Rutgers last year and shot 44% from three absolute flamethrower. So, I mean, you know, you add him into the equation, you have a lot of experience. You added a ton of guys with starting experience. Um, you know, even guys like, um, source from, from Oregon. He's, he started, you know, a good amount of games. Um, obviously Hugley started a ton of games for, for Pittsburgh over the years. Um, Jalen Moore, the guy that we were just talking about from Georgia tech, 15 starts. Um, and then we haven't even mentioned JV on McCollum who could very well be the most talented player on the team next year. Um, the guard from Siena. And, and, you know, I do, I do a lot of thunder stuff too. So I see, I see a bunch of NBA draft talk, um, and I, and I love to dive into that kind of stuff. He's a legit NBA prospect. People are excited about him um, at the next level in the league. There's not a lot of um, times that you see a, a soft, a rising sophomore that's averaged 16 a game on, you know, very efficient shooting splits. That, that just doesn't happen. And so I, I think that, I think that the Sooners are in a good spot on the basketball court on paper, at least. Football-wise, interesting news today, Ross. Um, OU, Big 12, I should say. Big 12 and their TV network partners uh, released some kickoff times. What? Last day of May is when we start getting kickoff times. And we got a bunch of them. We got a third of the season announced today. September 2nd against Arkansas State, 11 a.m. That one's on ESPN. September 9th against SMU. 5 p.m. kickoff 
and Norman. Uh, that's ESPN+. ESPN Plus. Plus. Yeah. The following week, they go up to Tulsa, September 16th, a 2.30 p.m. kickoff. That one's either ESPN or ESPN2. Haven't decided yet. Probably won't until 11 days before. Until 11 days before. And then, uh, this is weird to me, Black Friday coming off the road trip to BYU, 11 a.m. kickoff, Black Friday, home game, TCU. That one's on Fox, November 24th. That. That one is obviously the, the weirdest That's game on the schedule. That's telling OU right no, there. No matter one more Big 12 game, OU, and we're going to stick you with one yep. more 11 a.m. kickoff. <laughs> That's what that, – that was my initial reaction to. And I don't even have to see the rest of the schedule to tell you that is the strangest game on the schedule. It's it's the strangest game in the last few – last five, ten years for OU. You know, they don't really play Friday games. And to throw a Friday game at 11 a.m., it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, but, you know, like, like you said, that 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 seems like a Big 12 scheduling thing. You know, one last parting <laughs> gift for the, for the Sooners. Here you go. And enjoy your enjoy your trip out. Um, and, and, you know, you saw Oklahoma State put out their their four their four game teaser and all of them were night games under the lights. Um, I'm sure the fans will be happy about those. Maybe not the. Uh, Maybe not the media crew, but the fans, those those night games will probably be rowdy for, for the Pokes, and, and the Sooners got all the early ones. Um, and that's kind of just become tradition for OU at this point. I don't know I don't know what to make of that. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to picture what that's gonna look like. For Oklahoma, you're coming off of off a pretty good road trip out there to to Provo. And oh, yeah. you come home and finish your conference. Um, November 24th with a home game against the defending, not the defending champ, but the defending college football playoff uh, national championship game contender, right? I mean, yeah. TCU is the uh, trendy pick again this year to, uh, to, to repeat or to at least challenge. I know K-State won it, but you said I'm getting that. It's just, it's just kind of a, the whole thing just seems a little odd. Bit- a little bit sketchy. I, I don't really know. You know, obviously TCU loses a good portion huge, of that. You know, Max Duggan and, and Quentin Johnson. Yeah, just just a lot of talent back there. But you know, they, they're never like a slouch for OU to play, and especially on the road. Especially coming, like you said, coming off that BYU game, it's it's not an easy game for for OU. And also to have to get up. At 11 a.m. on Friday, it's not really a football day. Like you got to get up for those games. Yeah, exactly. You got to get up for those games. It's just, it's a weird game all around. It's definitely trap game potential for OU if it wasn't, if it wasn't before. I will say it's probably a little bit easier playing TCU at 11 a.m. on Friday than it would be playing TCU at 7 p.m. on Friday in the middle of a blackout with a huge crowd and that kind of thing. You know. The 11 a.m. games are still – they're tough for both teams to get up for, especially yeah, on a Friday. TCU's got to travel up from Fort Worth day after Thanksgiving. They're going to have all that turkey on their stomachs, right? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much other than the fact that it's a short week. It's a, it's a morning game, that whole thing. Um, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing be. how full the, uh, the TU press box gets. TU's got a tiny little press box. 
I've never seen it. I, that, that would be a fun one. To go it's to. bigger than it used to be, and they used to have the sl- slowest elevator in the history of elevators, but they got that part fixed. It's a nice press box. It's a great little, great little cozy little press box. I just don't know how they're going to uh-huh. get the OU media contention in there. You know, we like to bring three people to a game. I don't know if we're going to oh, yeah. be able to do that at Tulsa. I don't. I don't know. We'll have to see. OU, OU media brings an army pretty yeah. much anywhere. I mean, even even at the softball right. media today, there was there were twenty. We were twenty deep down there. I mean, it. Um, yeah, 11, yeah, there are a lot. Eleven a.m. Lots of uh, Arkansas State season opener. That's totally expected, right? Nothing. Yeah. Totally expected. That'll be a hot it's one too. Warm. Um, TC. I'm sorry. Uh, SMU. Five p.m. I don't know what to make of that. Is that the uh, the ESPN Plus game? So that's the previous what we called it the pay per view game. It's a weird kickoff time. I don't know if OU's ever kicked off at five p.m. before. I don't know either. That'd be something. That'd be something to look into. I ESPN Plus. I feel like you know they're not really battling for time slots. So it's kind of it's kind of strange that that game is slotted at five. Like I feel like ESPN Plus can kind of just do what they want with their times. And so, like, like I'm looking at Oklahoma State's schedule. The 9.30 kick with Arizona State is weird for us, but, you know, it's 7.30 or, you know, whatever time there. They're, they're a few hours before before Oklahoma time. SMU and OU, there, there's no time discrepancy there. We're both kicking off at 5 p.m. It doesn't really make any sense for either party for that game to be at, at 5 p.m. I, I, I understand it a little bit more if it's on – you know, ESPN two, ESPN, ABC, Fox, whatever, ESPN plus. That that doesn't. Here's what make I'm much thinking. Sense. There's there's going to be some good games. I haven't looked at the schedule, the national schedule, but there's going to be some good games. Obviously, that day, second Saturday in in September. Um, putting of it course. at five o'clock maybe maximizes that window. Gets gets them some exposure that yeah. kind of in between games. Like, oh, that one's a blowout. Let's see who else is playing. Oh, look, it's Oklahoma and SMU. Let's flip it over to that one. Yeah, kind of stagger it a little bit. Instead of going up head to head like six o'clock or seven o'clock, you put it at five and you get a few more eyeballs. Kind of makes sense. It's just off. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, real quick, you uh, you took on the two uh, position spring review uh, stories last week. You did the safeties and you did wide receivers. Um, after coming to all the practices and coming to all the media interviews and stuff like that, you, you go back and review how, you know, what everybody said and how they performed in the spring game and things like that. What, what was said about the players and what'd you come away with at those two positions, safety and wide receiver? Yeah. So for, for safety, obviously I think that's a very, um, deep position for the Sooners. I think that it's, they're, they're pretty confident in that room. Um, and I don't think that's something that they've been able to say for, you know, the past five, 10 years, it's been, it's been slim pickings. And one, one quote that really stood out, um, from the spring from Brent Venables, you know, he mentioned Key Lawrence, uh, Reggie Pearson, Peyton Bowen and Billy Bowman. And then right after he mentions those guys, he says, those guys at safety give us a lot more of what a defensive secondary yeah, should look says like. A lot. That says a lot. Um, and so, you know, he was playing last last season with probably some players that that weren't his guys, weren't guys that, you know, he would he would choose to have on the field, but it was kind of out of necessity. Um, 
and and, uh, and no disrespect to those guys, they obviously played hard over their years at at, at OU. But like he said, I mean, bringing in Reggie Pearson from Texas Tech was huge. Um, you know, and, and obviously Peyton Bowen could be the most talented player in the room as a freshman, but just having that veteran presence with Reggie Pearson, if anybody's struggling, um, I think that'll really help shore things up. I also think that it's just massive to have some accountability in the room. Um, just someone that I feel like even when, you know, maybe Key Lawrence takes a bad angle last year, Justin Broyles misses a few plays. There was no accountability because there's no there's no one else to put in. Like you can't put it's anyone else in, so you just have to let these players all over figure again. it out. Yes, exactly. So you just have to keep letting these players figure it out. And I and I think now, I think it's a, it's a healthy sense of you know you're kind of looking over your shoulder and not in a way of oh I'm never going to play again. Oh you know I messed up once I'm done. But it's a sense of you know it's it's a team effort now it's it's a group that can make up for each other's flaws and that can have each other's back i think that's one of the biggest things in the safety room and and i also think that's a really important position in brent brent venable's defense you saw games that absolutely spiraled like texas and like tcu and dudes are just running wide open down the field and i think a lot obviously it's a team effort but i think a lot of that is in the safety room there's no there's no back line of defense. Yeah, and what about the wideouts? No Marvin Mims this year, but they've got some talented players who've not really done a whole lot in their careers. Yeah, the, the wideouts, they're in a really interesting spot because you like the depth in the room, you like who they have, but they haven't been able to prove themselves. A lot of guys that are, have been waiting for an opportunity um, and and a new a new wide receiver coach too with, with Emmett Jones. So it's kind of a whole new look for OU kind of a and I feel like you know especially going from you know C.D. Lamb to Marvin Mims even before that you have D.D. Westbrook you have Marquise Brown it's just kind of like you know who's gonna who's gonna pick up the torch when it's passed next and and this season I mean obviously Jaleel Farouk is expected to to assume that role but there's nobody that's you know set in stone for that role and I feel like the past few seasons there's been somebody to pick up that torch every single year. And we're kind of, you know, who, who's going to separate themselves this year. Um, obviously I love what, what Farouk brings to the table um, and, and Drake Stoops as well. Emmett Jones mentioned, you know, he'd go into, he'd go to a dark alley with Drake Stoops in, in Dallas. I thought that was a pretty funny quote. Um, but, but obviously Dylan Gabriel's super comfortable with, with Drake Stoops. Um, one, one thing that I felt was pretty interesting and, you know, it could just be them trying to get more depth, but it also could be them feeling a little bit less confident in that room as a whole as they go out and go full court press for Brennan yeah. Thompson. Obviously a very talented wide receiver, but you know, if you're if you're completely sure about your room and, and confident in your guys, I don't know if that's a if that's a move that you go all in on. Um so that that was interesting to me. I I know they're super excited to have someone like him and it gives them a lot of depth. But it makes me wonder kind of about everyone else. Um, one guy I'm really excited to see is Gavin Freeman and more of a, you know, obviously he's on scholarship this year. I don't think people realize, one, how hard it is to get minutes as a walk-on at OU, much less a freshman at OU. Both, like, both of those things are extremely difficult, and Gavin Freeman did both. And it wasn't just like courtesy yeah. minutes. He came in against Oklahoma State, makes a huge catch. Obviously, he takes it to the house on his first touch. I mean, he's a very talented player 
and he's kind of a, he's he's kind of feeling that talent this year. He's feeling a lot more confident. And then, you know, obviously everyone, every wide receiver mentioned um, Andre Anthony from from Michigan, just as an absolute burner. Um, everyone mentions his speed, and I think that you know, with Gabriel, obviously w- w- he loves to throw that deep ball. You know, either side, he loves to just launch it up and let his guys run under it. And I think Anthony can be one guy that really benefits from that. The first so play of the spring it's, game, it's right? Interesting- first play of the spring game. Was yeah, exactly. Game. First play of the spring. Yeah, not yeah. only uh, it's interesting- not only uh, Brennan Thompson, but they went after they went hard after Jordan Tyson from Colorado, uh, a guy who exactly. doesn't have a big long resume of of accomplishments, and they're like. You know what? We need we need more receivers. So I think you, the coaches. I think we're all on the same page that this group has not accomplished much, and there's some ability there. There's some potential there, but just in terms of what they have experience wise, the coaching staff wants more, and that's what this yeah, uh, that's I, what I this agree. off season and the spring and the post spring and the recruiting and the transfer portal have taught us is that the Oklahoma coaching staff wants more. Ross, you did a good job, man. Appreciate you staying in, Thank especially uh, this this podcast got going around ten o'clock and late at night. Appreciate you jumping on like this. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I always always love love hopping on and talking sports. We'll for do sure. it again. And I want to thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week on the All Sooners podcast. You can catch that one and all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. That's simple. Uh, It's also posted on our website, allsooners.com. Just click on the player and listen on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. And, of course, all our shows are posted on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media, for Ryan Chapman, for Ross Lovelace, and for Randall Sweet. I'm John Hoover. See you guys.